Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. With every conversation, we hope to inspire as many as possible to keep on Dungeon Mastering. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote Maniac, and today I'm going to be talking to Andrew Coons from the First Watch podcast, as well as The Quantum Reactor, a show that he does with Jeremy Cobb from Three Black Halflings, analyzing and looking deep into sci-fi movies. Definitely check it out. But also, also the Draco Troll is out now on our Patreon, as well as a poll that has been voted on. And it looks like the next thing that we'll be bringing to our patrons is a the stats for a ship, as well it's, as its crew. The Golden Hawk by name and several NPCs that were made by people from the block party. But Andrew and I will be talking about shorter sessions, so to make this shorter, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. So today on the meet, we have another special guest because all of them are special to me. And today we have Andrew Coons, who is... Let me make sure I get this right. The DM and showrunner of The First Watch, which I'm I'm dead set. We'll hear more about that. But Andrew, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, as we were chatting before uh, we started recording, it's it's awesome to see, you know, the longevity of your show and uh, congrats on it. It's, yeah. it's having that much of a, of a long life in, in this industry is uh, it's impressive. I think the more impressive thing when I hear about it is someone that is that says, I have recently found you. And I have listened to every episode and I am just like, wow, Yep, good for you. That's so great. But I mean, also, I don't know. are you okay? Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and most of the time, it's typically someone that has a, a like factory job yep. or industry job yep. where they're putting in time. Like, a long I commute. A friends, yep. Something like that. I have a few friends who constantly ask me about audiobooks because they drive a tractor like 10 hours a day. Oh, so. yeah. Um, but speaking of, maybe that's what you do, and we'll find out right now, because um, is there anything you can tell us about yourself that you think our listeners would be interested oh, in? Oh, gosh, that listeners would be interested in. I'm not super sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm Andrew. I uh, run a program called The First Watch. We're a TTRPG actual play, as well as a spinoff podcast that's more roleplay focused, a little less gameplay. We've been around since 2018, done a couple different campaigns, uh, a whole bunch of one shots, miniseries, things like that. I do a lot of things on the side. Um, professionally, I'm a filmmaker. And then also I do some poetry. I do a lot of collecting. I'm a dad, which is obviously the best part of my day every day. And yeah, I've, I'm just a big old geek uh, <laughs> since I was a kid. And D&D really just kind of and TTRPG shows kind of became the way of kind of realizing a lot of those crazy adventures I had in my head when I was a kid and putting them out there. Can confirm, listeners. Full-fledged geek. I can see behind <laughs> him and can confirm many fandoms are being represented by the shelves. We are we you, are not which, discriminatory against any fandoms. They're all welcome on the shelf. Uh, so the other thing is, is there anything that you're currently working on? And then always that I put the caveat that you can tell us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're in the middle of our second campaign, which uh, before this campaign, all of our shows had been very kind of like tight, like almost miniseries style. This is our first open-ended campaign. So we've got a killer cast 
cast with just an, a, an amazing diverse group of performers and players uh, and people of all walks of life that bring a lot to the game. And so we're at the time of recording this, we're about 15 released episodes into that. So not too far to catch up and would love to see you over on uh, our campaign too. Awesome. Yeah. Well, as always, and I'll point to it because it makes me feel better. It's like I'm watching myself on YouTube. Um, but if you go down to the show notes, um, you'll, you'll definitely be able to click through and go there. Okay. I have an interesting question. So our surprise question, usually it's something that I come up with and I only have several minutes to figure out what <laughs> would be something that I could tailor to you. What do you feel like was the first fandom that you joined? Oh gosh. I mean, when I was a kid, I, you know, I, I just devoured Redwall and Narnia and, nice. uh, and Middle Earth. And the Redwall one is fun. I don't feel like Redwall gets enough love nowadays. Uh, yeah. Now that uh, the great Brian Jacques has passed on and there aren't new books coming out, but uh, that was a big one for me. And so, yeah, just like reading fantasy novels was a huge thing. And then, you know, beyond that, I mean, probably the first thing I really got into with collecting was Star Wars and action figures and stuff like that. So it's always been grounded in fantasy, sci-fi, all of that stuff. So I was trying to think of, but obviously I now need to ask, answer the question that I have asked. Absolutely. Um, and I think about you know, the joys of being what is affectionately described as an elder millennial. <laughs> the, joining a fandom is difficult in those times because like the, the best and worst thing about the internet is that it connects people. Mm -hmm. I'll just leave that there and you can figure out what that means <laughs> on a personal level. But so for me, the one that I realized like I became a true fan of because to this day, I don't know why I did it, but I woke up early every day to watch the new episode of Beast Wars. Hell yeah, yeah. my man. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, I was always watching Beast Wars as a kid. Love that. Short of having a job that I didn't necessarily enjoy that I had to clock into very early. Yep. I don't wake up for anything. <laughs> I will stay. I will stay up. For everything, I will yep. wake up for almost nothing. Yep. In Beast Wars, I had an alarm set, yes. and I would wake up to watch that early. Um, so yeah, that is by far and away the one that I know that I'm into because I've actually watched the like Japanese anime spinoff that was trying to fill the gap between the wow. seasons. Yep. So yeah, all in on Beast Wars as my first. Yeah, we found a download of all three seasons. I think it's three seasons. And yep. uh, my son recently watched them all. And that was that was fun to go revisit to realize just how janky the animation was. The budget, the budget and escalation between the first season and the yes. third is a sight to both. <laughs> but it's a legit great like kids show. And, and yep. I love it. Yeah. Well, and the, the snake is finally eating its tail and the, the newer movies is going to. I would be into the Beast Wars. But oh, yeah. in seat for that. Let me tell you. So there we go. Speaking speaking of butts and seats, that this is a weird segue, but I'm going to make it where they don't get tired. We're going to talk about shorter RPG sessions yes. um, for our main beat of the topic. And I was very excited when you brought it up because mainly because it's not on the list of things that I was like, oh, do you <laughs> want to talk about these things? You brought it to the proverbial table. And as you've stated, one of the things about being such a long running podcast um, and, and listeners will know that one of our go-to questions now is why is that a topic that you felt was something that you wanted to discuss? Well, like kind of what's your passion behind it? Because then, you know, then we can kind of figure out where to go from there. For sure. I mean, I got into D&D &D recently, you know, in the, in the last five years, the way a lot of people did. I, I, I saw Critical Role uh, and got and yep. got sucked into that. And I, and I love it. It's, it's a great show. 
Uh, it's not the end all be all of D&D shows or TTRPG shows, but I love it for what it is. And, you know, we, we were inspired by that. We started our home game, all this stuff. And I think there was just this expectation of like, that's how Dungeons and Dragons or other TTRPGs is played. You play it for four hours or more at a time. And that's great. But when you have to, when you then decide to start recording and you realize that that means uh, if you're not live streaming, which we weren't, we're pre-recording, that you then have to edit a four-hour episode, you very quickly go, well, uh, maybe, maybe it can be a little shorter. <laughs> maybe I can break it. I'm going to sprinkle on some very fun context for that, that as just an outside observer. So I was in for Critical Role very early on. It yeah. just happened. It happened across my radar. And I watched every episode of season one. And then I had then I had kids and things started happening yep. and I couldn't commit to it. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll listen to the podcast. Just so we're all clear, Critical Role also with, with the money and funds and people that they know and things that they have also doesn't edit four hours very much. Right. They're just like, yeah, it is what it is. It's four hours yeah. long. Here, please listen. And, and you know, that's a style to go for, right? It's very unfiltered. It's, you know, it was live streamed for the longest time. And a lot of shows are like that. So when we sat down to start doing our show, I was not at that moment familiar with Dimension 20. And so I had this idea of pre-recording and doing multi-camera edits and cutting into miniatures and stuff like that. And then I found Dimension 20 and I was like, oh, well, how cool is this? This is a better version of, of kind of this idea that I had had. Um, they're already doing it. I have now something to draw inspiration from. And, and even those are, you know, two hour episodes, I think, or whatnot. So I just got more and more kind of like obsessed with what is theoretically like the shortest amount of time you can run a full D&D session in. And we'll talk about more, the more of this later, but there are a lot of factors that go into making that work. But it just, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fun exercise. It's a fun improv exercise. You know, I, I run games that are both an hour long and four hours long. Like there's, there's no right or wrong way. It's all about just being a different experience. Uh, but it is a unique thing, specifically as a DM, to run something tight. And it's a lot of fun to do. Yeah, well, let's just let's jump in. So one of the things you've kind of alluded to is definitely the pros and cons of switching from your four plus hour, which is so interesting because it's like you said, it, it, it critical role kind of has shaped the conversation to say yes. four hours. It just so happens like that's kind of where my sweet spot is in mm -hmm. my home game. But at the same time, I remember the days of days where uh, we would go to travel to a friend's house and there were a couple weekends I may not have left that house, which is yeah. very funny because like I was in San Jose. So I'm like in the Bay Area. So many things to see. So many places I could go. And I didn't. I just was in this tiny whole house in a tiny room playing D&D &D, yeah. uh, for days on end. <laughs> so but changing the conversation is kind of one of the pros and cons of reducing that for and kind of our range that we'll talk is maybe like one to two hours instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think my sweet spot is about three hour games um, for home game. That's that's about what I can do before I start to maybe feel a little fatigue. Um, not that we haven't pushed that, <laughs> and it's been fun. But no pros and cons. I mean, I think that I'll start with the cons. I mean, like you know, when you when you run a tighter game, there is there does need to be an expectation set up front that that's what's happening, because I think it does the game will influence player decisions and player. Um, urgency and whatnot. I mean, if you know you have an hour to two hours to to play, 
you're going to spend less time hemming and hawing about, you know, oh, should I get the ring of fire protection or should I get the, um, you know, the periap of health, you know, or whatnot. You're going to, hey, we got to go um, and, and move on to the next thing. So it changes the game a little bit that way. And I think it's just, you know, it's not, it's a little bit of a con, but like you, you it doesn't have to be as long as you set that expectation uh, with your players. I think another con that it has is that if your players aren't expecting a game that is, and, and this word comes with a lot of negative connotation, but I'll still use it, that isn't a little more railroady, then that can come across wrong. Now, I argue that even in my shorter games, I don't consider it to be railroaded, but there are more of the, the you know, the bowling alley bumpers up in order to help facilitate the length. Okay, we're going to play with the analogy. And I feel like I, I've probably done it on air before, but one of the things is like, if you've ever been on a train ride, that's super fun. Like, Yes, it is. Yes. Like, now, if someone told me that no matter what, I had to stay in this car, I needed yeah. to stay in my seat, and there's nothing I can do but look out this window. That I think that's the version of railroading that gets a negative connotation. Right. And almost the difference between I'm reading you a novel I wrote as mm-hmm. the dungeon master or game runner Opposed to this is a story that we're writing together. Yes. Like there, there's a fundamental difference between those two. And I've certainly played in both of those games. Mm-hmm. And I've certainly played in the game that where the person running it is like, this is your story to write. Yep. And I have no, no compunction of what I will or won't do about right. that. And those two ends are pretty hard. I think that there's a lot of sweet spot in the middle where it's like, yeah, these these rails are here, but that's not to say you can't switch tracks. Right. All kinds of railroad analogies. Yes. No, 100 percent agree. And, you know, on the flip side, I've played in games where it's been very open ended and we found ourselves sitting around going, what what should we do? Like, we don't really have any direction. I've been in games that have died because of that. (laughs) My DM style tends to be very involved, uh, hopefully in a way that is that is helping provide player agency. So I am very much the type of person who, as I'm actively listening to players, you know, debates and stuff, I love throwing in and then this happens and it interrupts you or whatnot. Like I'm, I'm always trying to gauge, you know, where the story is, where our time is and help catalyze things to, to provide them options. And some of that comes with familiarity of my players, right? Um, that's harder to do sometimes with, with people you're brand new with to understand what their personal beats are. But once you get to know people, like you can kind of find that rhythm. Kind of talking it through one of the other cons. And I don't know that I want to call it that, but it's a, you know, it's a good framework for, it's the railroads for this conversation. Yeah, but, yeah. but one of the, the, the things that is difficult to then learn potentially as the DM is figuring out how to, and I, I think of this as almost like more of a business term, but like how to table things. Yes. So say you say you bring you bring up something, and we can even use your previous example of the amulet of fire protection or the period of health. We don't we don't have time for that. Yeah. And I can say we can table that. I'm willing to like you almost have to let go of certain things. I'm almost more willing to let you decide in the moment which of those becomes more helpful as yep. the session goes along, or just completely disregard it until after the session. Yes. Rather than taking any more time during this shorter session to discuss it. Because it could be like a, a red dragon comes out in the next five minutes and you and I both have figured out exactly which item you'd like in this moment. And then there's no more talk about it because now I know we're done. Um, or like I said, neither come up and we decide offline later afterwards, right. which one you think you should have. And this is probably, in my opinion, the biggest con of shorter games is that there is less time for uh, meandering uh, exploration of 
figuring of 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 enjoying that experience of of meeting every NPC, of you know going shopping at every store, of of every you know little thing that's described, being able to pull that thread and ooh, does that lead to someplace cool? Is there a, is there a goblin burrow over there, etc.? That's a super fun part of these games uh, is just kind of the the wandering around and and figuring things out and. Again, I come back to player and DM expectations, like setting that up at the beginning and saying, look, you can do that stuff. I'm not going to stop you from heading that direction. Just know, you know, that there will be real world happening behind you. And it, you know, if there's an obvious mission that our group is trying to do, the deviating from that path for too long might lead to some tougher consequences down the road. There's two very different ways to play Skyrim. And yes. <laughs> yeah. Skyrim's a great example of it. I yeah. know which way I play. I basically interact with the world of Skyrim like I'm an NPC. I don't. It's just what speaks to me in that particular game. Yep. For some reason, the main quest, even going all the way back to Oblivion, the main quests just don't speak to me. I just wander the world, yep. see what comes my way. Um, and then eventually I'm just a really high level NPC who can't complete the main quest because <laughs> it also leveled up with me and I die every time. I right. Die. So. <laughs> But there are a lot of pros to running short games as well. And I think for me, the biggest pro is when we when we talk about, hey, we're writing a story together. Shorter games to me, I like to change that analogy a little bit and say we're making a film together. We're making a cinematic experience together. And when you have a shorter game that is has got some beats that we're going to hit and we're going to hit them at a good pace and people are making decisions with maybe a little more urgency in an hour and a half to two hours, you can walk away going, dang, it's like we just wrote the best, you know, hour of television that you could have seen from Game of Thrones or anything out there. And that's it's a very intense and visceral experience. And that's it it also starts to be the spaces and places you can start to slot in like a one hour or one and a half hour game yes. just skyrocket. Because if you think, um, are you, do you work in a place that where you can take a little bit longer of a lunch and now you can start to fit in a weekly biweekly game? Yep. Is it that you have an after school program that you're joining or running? Yep. Is it that you're running for getting, honing these skills start to allow you to DM in a lot of different spaces and places. Yeah. We, you and I talked about, you know, having kids that are roughly six and nine. The, let's be honest. Three they can't to four, do four hours is no. not, is not a good call. No, um, they can do, they can do 45 minutes to an hour. At least my kids can at a time. Yeah. And wrangling that in and ha- having that happen. Yeah. Just the options that are afforded to you. Same with a con game. You then you, you know you're fitting into mm-hmm. a two hour slot, and then you're getting more time at that convention. Um, or it could just be the way that it works best for your players, having a more consistent but shorter game. Because my exactly. game is less consistent, but then that means we're probably going to go for minimum four, if not six hours, where sure. we do get together. And I'm glad you bring up after school programs and kids because I am a huge believer in in you know TTRPGs for children. And and young adults and whatnot. And, you know, whether it's just their uh, their time because they, they got places to go, things to do as well, or their stamina, teaching yourself how to run shorter games, I think, is a real big boon because you're going to open up the amount of people you can run them for. And and even especially for people who have never played before, like I've I've played with my mother once and, you know, it's the one and only time she ever played D&D. And she's, oh, that was fun. And then she never wanted to do it again. But we played for an hour, right? And it's like that worked for that situation. And so I think it 
in a lot of ways, you can make it more accessible by having at least a couple short games in your back pocket. This is an interesting pro. And so a lot of this, we're we're walking a fine line where I have to switch my brain in a, in a very particular way because there's a lot of business thoughts and ideas and terminology yep. that applies to what we're talking about because in a lot of ways you're running a meeting. Mm-hmm. But we'll kind of try and not – if. if Stop me. Please stop me if I feel like I'm going too far that direction. But one of the things that, I, that I'm that i thinking as a pro is that it's probably going to help whoever's at that table figure out what's more important to them yes. about a Dungeons & Dragons game, TTRPG game, because everything is a little bit more imperative because you only have a certain amount of time. Yep. There's, a, there's a lot of theories behind the idea of what's known as standing meetings, that standing meetings are historically – 35% less time because everyone doesn't like standing for an entire meeting. So they're going to mm-hmm. talk about the thing that they want to talk about because they don't want to keep standing anymore. Yep. This is not a suggestion that you should have your entire <laughs> D&D game standing. Although, unless it is. Unless could be, it is. Could be interesting. Yep. Yeah. Um, but the idea that me as, as the person running, the most important things are the things that I'm going to bring to that table. Or at least the most important thing I think needs to happen for each individual session. Like, I'm going to pare it down because I know I don't have time to, like you said, wander off into the woods and yeah. the goblin cave. 100%. And I think also, like, there's there's an element of the shorter, like, when I think about other pros, there's an element of the shorter game that, in in the making it more condensed, in the making it more cinematic, in, in driving towards things quicker, it, it's specifically a great way to kick off campaigns. This is something I've found where like whether it's session zeros or session one and two, even if you plan to play for four plus hours down the road, like I would encourage you to consider make those first couple of games shorter, build the urgency, get things off the ground quickly and also provide them time for feedback of real quick. Like how are we feeling like how like our, you know, before we invest eight, 12, you know, more hours in this, you know is this the direction that we're liking and that we want to go? And then maybe there's, you know, after that first mini boss or something, there's an opportunity to breathe and kind of, you know, lengthen the games and whatnot. So there's just lots of different ways that you can use it when you think creatively. Yeah. And I think about like the, also the idea of not just even from a story perspective, but from a character perspective. Yeah. If I have a player, you know, the example you're playing, let's say it's a druid and you don't like it. It, yeah. Is it is it that you don't like your subclass because we're playing it, let's say, five levels five to seven? Is it that you just don't like the character class at all? Is it that you don't like your background? Is it yep. and like having those quicker beats to say, okay, we got into some combat, we got into some social. We tried a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, well, how did you feel? And then you're just on it. Hopefully you're honest right. and say, This sucks. I don't like it. And then yep. we can go from there. Like you said before, we're investing four to eight hours at a time. Right. I will say another con, and we can talk about this a little bit uh, when we talk about tips and tricks as well, but another con to watch out for with shorter games is number of players. This has been my biggest thing where um, I have a very hard player cap on if I'm going to run a short game because it just very quickly will become like there's not enough time for everybody to even have their their 15 minutes. And so if you are going to play with a larger group, it's not impossible to run a short game with a larger group, but in some respects, I almost want to flip the script and say, spend longer in the first couple sessions, letting everybody have a chance to settle in. And then once people have found their characters and found their beats, then maybe you can run a couple shorter games for, for a larger group. Yeah, that's a great point. Let's, cause I definitely have a lot of thoughts of like, 
actual you know actual so- shorter sessions that I've ran, which typically yeah. at conventions. Um, so yeah, let's get into some tips and tricks for running shorter ones. I can actually think about way more scenarios than I thought of of shorter <laughs> sessions that I've ran. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'll let you kick that kick it off. I, I think my biggest tip for shorter games is you need to think of them in terms of you know what's are your beginning, middle, and end for this session. So if it's a one shot, I think that's fairly easy to do, right? You know, there's an inciting incident, there's the journey the character is going to go on, and then there's the final resolution, whether that's a boss battle or a puzzle or whatever it's going to be. For open-ended campaigns where it's, you know, you're trying to run shorter sessions for that, I tend to think more in terms of character beats. And, you know, is there maybe one new thing I want the party to get out of tonight? And then, you know, kind of let them find their way to that, uh, however, is most natural. But it's really important to have an idea of what the story is you're trying to tell without without railroading too much. And the other thing that I've learned over time is to have like my A, B and C options like A is, look, if nothing else, this is where, you know, what they have to accomplish in order to, quote unquote, finish the game. I would like for them to also have time for this side quest. And if we're really, you know, cruising, there's a cool NPC that I'd love to throw in just for just for giggles. And knowing that and knowing my priorities helps me very quickly go, hey, we're halfway through and they haven't done anything yet. I need to pull one, two, three of these side things and just shall just shelf them and say, that's OK. We're not going to you know, we're not going to go there tonight. One of one, this is this is a tip or trick for a, a select few they may be listening, but if you've ever taken what is referred to as a hybrid course, be it high school or college, yep. I feel like that's a, a really good framework to look at this from. So, and I'm a huge proponent of hybrid these days with the the advent of so much technology. Fully online, me, fully in person. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, yep. but hybrid, where everything that isn't what's really happening goes to online. So if we're talking about leveling up, we're not going to do that at the table. If yeah. we're talking about doing a purchasing session, I'm highly unlikely that I'll do that at a table for a shorter session campaign because that takes that would probably take the whole session. And maybe that's okay if I'm really introducing like a, a NPC that, that would have longevity for the campaign. Yep. Or you've got plot hooks that you want to be delivered, etc. Yep. Yeah. And then specific background questions that maybe someone has, I'll probably move that offline. A lot of like it, almost the administrative paperwork side of Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons, which it has, I would move that. And I've even encouraged my players um, to have certain discussions in between games on, you know, just chatting on Discord in character. That's something that I've got two players in particular in our campaign like to do. They'll they'll hop on and kind of do a role play session and flush some things out. Now, do I wish they would tell me what happened in those a little bit more so I was prepared for the bombshell <laughs> they're ready to drop next game? Sure. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, that helps them build connections. It helps. It's fun. It helps kind of keep the game going throughout the week uh, versus just, you know, on Sundays. So that's another example of taking some stuff offline. Yeah. And the one that it was in one of our episodes recently but i think it applies here is that having some sort of retrospective that happens for like let's say two to five minutes at the start of each session is it someone that is recounting in whatever way that they feel comfortable with recounting the previous session yeah is it a journal entry is it you know 
a flashback is you know whatever version of like last time that mm-hmm. someone kind of takes that role in switching it or if it's just or if it's you as the dm taking over that just some version of that to like help speed things along so that a lot of time that it's a pre-prepared script in, in a lot of ways that way you're not investing a lot of back and forth questions about what happened previously yep no we do that at the beginning of every one of our home and recorded games is, is a little recap uh of stuff I want to also just, you know, I know we're kind of talking about a you know a mix of different things. I do want to spend a little bit of time focusing just on one shots because I think that these are really important. Campaigns are fantastic, but whether it's you need to take a break from a campaign or you're getting together with a group of friends that, you know, is only going to be able to meet the one time or you're having somebody, you know, try it out for the first time. They've never played a TTRPG before. Being proficient with running short one shots is in my opinion, one of those DM skills that like, if you want to get better as a DM, like this is something to practice. Some people are naturally great at this. Some people may need a little more practice just because of the circumstances of how I got into everything. I've ended up running a lot of these. And I think this is my favorite way to run a short game is in, is in a one shot format or maybe a, a two shot format. And again, I think it just comes back down to player expectations having a strong idea of the beginning, middle, end of your story. And then having, when I talk about the tiers of things I can pull out my A, B, and C of things, I I also don't want to lose the fact that like part of what makes this game fun are the weird quirky interactions, the weird things you find alongside the road, that strange NPC who's just super memorable. Those, some of those things do become non-negotiables in my game that like, look, they're going to meet this person. And if they don't go to the right shop to meet them, guess what? That person just happened to be alongside of the road. Now you're not forcing anything on the party, but you are kind of making it like, Hey, this is a part of the, an important part of the story. And, you know, I want you to have agency of how you get to this point, but you are going to get to this point. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting because it's like a really interesting trust thing. I feel like it's become for for a while there was a a lot of discussion. That's that's me being very nice around <laughs> the idea of like a perfectly weighted die and like yeah. it's true randomness. And then people are like, yeah, but who cares? Right. We're all having fun unless we're trying unless we're ensuring that like no one's really just lying through their teeth about their roles. Like just put it in the dice tray. Just. Yeah. Send it down the tower. Who cares if it has weird skulls inside of it? That's awesome. It's clearly not going to be balanced. Yeah. But that same concept kind of like with, I feel like the railroading conversation has that as well. And I think of like, cause I made an LLC to produce a book before mm-hmm. and we called it the quantum ogre. And that's kind of the crux of that is like, if I take the right path or the left path, you're going to fight the ogre. So, yeah. you know, the, the concept then is that the ogre exists in both paths at the same time. It's right. the quantum ogre. <laughs> like, okay, but did you really just want to go down the left path where there's nothing? Where there's no ogre? Yeah. Or the idea that, like, there's the shopkeeper then that you never meet. So now we mm-hmm. have a quantum shopkeeper. And and I do also think, like, we need to remember that DMs are, are there to play a game as well. And for me, that quirky shopkeep with the funny voice that I worked on in the shower for the last week, you know, is important to me. And I don't think that that's inappropriate. I think that that is like, look, this is how I get to have fun. I don't get a character that I get to level up and take on this hero's journey. I get to play that support role. And so, you know, I'm never upset when a DM finds a way to insert something that they find humorous, that they find exciting because I'm going to feed off that as a player. I'm going to say, great, my DM's having fun. I'm going to have more fun that way as well. 
Yep, you took the words right out of my mouth because it's like, yeah, I'm. We're all bringing something to the table. It's just in a lot of ways the thing that I would bring as the person running the game gets shown a lot more. And exactly. so then, yeah. yep, you have to have like this weird grip on it all. Just like ah, I'm holding it, but if I, if I drop it, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. If you are introducing someone to something that they have never played before, it's hard, especially it's hard. if nobody's played it before. Um, you need to be. It's one of the few times where you really need to have the rules down and at least in the aspects that you'll play through. Right. You need to be very confident about those rules. Yep. Or because you don't want to get hung up or be confident enough in yourself to just make it up and figure it out later. (laughs) Because I played, it's a small RPG by the McElroys and then it was also worked on with Keith Baker and jen ellis it's called the dadlands rpg <laughs> where you're basically just it's like a kind of like a one to ten on two stats and you're pulling things out of a hat basically yeah. but like i needed to know those rules inside and out to explain to this group of people that have definitely never played it before what we need to do and the things that seem simple to those who play a lot of ttrpgs can be incredibly complex to someone who's never tried this before exactly yeah, yeah. and i think also with people who have not played before, you wh- whatever you think the simplest version of your story is, simplify it. Like, it literally doesn't have to be any more complex than this group of characters is given a quest. They have to go through the woods to the hag's house to figure out why people are disappearing. And they're going to encounter the hag. And maybe the hag is disguised as somebody else. And they're going to work through that problem of who is the bad guy. We're going to take care of the bad guy and then come back. That is that is the most bare bones, simplest type of story you can run. You can fill two hours with that real fast. Because do they get lost? Do they find them? Is there a lot of interaction with the NPC before, yep. during, after? And yeah, there's there's a lot that you can do. And that can be a really you know as simple as that sounds. I've run, you know, I don't know how many games with that simple of a premise, and they're so much fun because this is where the randomness comes in. The roles will change the story. This is where every group will bring new character dynamics uh, that make it really fun. And every, you know, you can run that same adventure over and over again, and it's going to be different every time because simply, you know, the first time I ran that style of an adventure, I had two rangers in the party. That's all it was. It was two people playing. They both decided to be rangers. I was like, okay, we're going to get a lot of variety in this game. But they, they crushed it. You know, they used all their tracking skills and all their perception to like get through the woods and do it. You know, if we had had a cleric and a rogue, it would have been a completely different approach to how do we solve this mystery. So that's where sometimes those smaller parties and the limitation on character choice and like character classes in a party makes for some really unique things because we've all seen the five person party. We've got a cleric, we got a rogue, we got a fighter, we got a wizard, you know, we got a barbarian. But what happens when it's just a cleric and a ranger? How do they solve problems? Because they don't have a ton of tank. They don't have a ton of, you know, AOE or anything like that. Like it's, it's a very, it it creates these little combinations, these little recipes that are super fun to play through. Yeah. And I think you started to hit on something else. I was thinking is that like one of the tips and tricks is definitely if, if you already know, let's say, yes, it's a one shot. Yes. It's one hour making something that is more limited in its choices is totally okay. Yeah. Let's let's say we're deciding that it's a, a bard centric adventure and everyone's a bard. 
that's okay. Like, yeah. You're going to be playing for like an, like an hour. So like reducing down some of the like the limits on the players and even say going so far to say is like you can all be bards, but you all have to choose different schools to differ from. Sure. Something along those lines. But the idea that like I can pare that down or it's all wizards or it's all fighters or and then now you have a more direct story that we can follow because yep. it doesn't matter how direct you think it is. <laughs> You're adding in players. It's no, gonna no go plan weird. survives contact with the enemy. Yep. Yeah, it's going to go weird at some point. It will. So one of the other ones, and I don't know what we might come up with it um, other than telling people that they need to watch Beast Wars. Is <laughs> what kind of homework we could give people for examples of things that they could read, that they could watch. Well, I mean, I think that... I recommend Dimension 20, although I'll put the caveat out there of like, I'm pretty sure their games are a lot longer than two hours and then they heavily edit them down. So I don't know that they're the perfect example of, you know, a two hour game, but I don't think they're a bad example of a two hour game. Like I've, I've gleaned a lot from watching those shorter episodes and and how they move from thing to thing and are able to get a lot of great character beats in and moments in um, and still advance the story. So that's one thing to watch. Um I think reading shorter novels, so like reading novellas and seeing how even in a literary sense, like, okay, is it a short story or a novella or whatnot? Like, how do we get from point A to point B in a quicker manner that doesn't feel rushed? Um, you can learn a lot from that. Um, that self- <laughs> yeah, go I'll ahead. jump in real quick. This allows me to suggest this for a second time in, in a short order, which means you should check out LeVar Burton Reads. It's basically mm. him reading stories now for basically the audience that watched him in, on Reading Rainbow all those years ago. It's shorter science fiction, fantasy, things that he's found that he enjoys, gets approval by the author, and he reads those out loud in a, like a span of a podcast. So these are yeah. short, short, short form stories that like are typically an hour to two. So this is a perfect example of these like the type of novella. So even getting inspiration from that to go find other things. Um, so yeah, LeVar Burton reads. That's awesome. I'm going to check that out myself. Selfishly, I will plug one of my own uh, series. Um, we have a, a mini series we did called Evocations, which was backstory episodes for each of our three campaign one characters. And they are standalone. You don't need to know anything about our show or know anything about campaign one um, to enjoy these. But these were one hour ish games that um, were a little edited down, but mostly just to get rid of rules discussions more than anything else. And each one is a different genre. So one is like a horror genre. One is like a coming of age Pixar type genre. One is a kind of epic battle type genre. And for my money, like that's my favorite series of short games I've ever run. The other really interesting thing about those is they were one-on-one games. So it was me playing with just that player talking about their backstory and kind of going back to tips and tricks a little bit. If you've never run a one-on-one game, please find the time to do it with a player that you love and trust. It is so much fun. It is so rewarding. It's wicked awkward at first because it's a way more eye contact than you expected to have. Uh, But once you're in it, it's so exciting and you walk away, especially if you do like a, Hey, I've got a campaign. I want to spend an hour with you doing a backstory session it just fleshes the world out for them so much more and it helps you get to know them more. And so when you come back into the main campaign, it's just a deeper level of trust and deeper level of story there. I love it. The other thing I think, and I don't know that this is a good call, so we'll see. You can <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. So the idea of like watching your favorite movie and figuring out yes. why, why it harkens to you um, in the, in that span of time, 
That said, I would also kind of go back to something that you had mentioned is, but you need to cut some stuff off. Like, yes, you, you absolutely need to. Mm-hmm. Then I also think about it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. If Indiana Jones wasn't there, technically everything would have happened faster. <laughs> All he did was actually slow the plot down. Um, but we don't have to get into that. Right. Well, but but I think in that same vein, maybe a maybe a more germane one for one example would be like an episode of your favorite television show. Go watch an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. That's a every single episode is a perfectly constructed one shot. And you know, I I got a lot of inspiration from the storytelling style of of you know '90s television and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of good there, and and you can learn. Okay, how do I build stakes quickly? How do I you know provide a little bit of mystery, but not so much that it's like no one knows where to go and things like that. Yeah. And it's interesting because you are looking for a very particular brand of show when you do that kind of thing. Cause I, I was recently guested on a gargoyles podcast. Mm-hmm. That's not the show for that because right. that show is extremely episodic. It's jumping back like two different time periods, a thousand yes. years apart. It's, it's nuanced. It's storied. And that's not what we're talking about. It's, yeah. it's the one where it's like, this problem is going to be introduced and solved in the next 22 minutes. Monster I- of the week type shows, supernatural star Trek, you know, anything like that. Um, that that's kind of, you know, adventure of the week, uh, is a great place to start. So definitely. So the most important question that I have though, is where can people go on the old internet to find all of the things that you're doing? Well, uh, our home base is our YouTube channel, so you can find us there, YouTube slash uh, The First Watch Show. And we're on Twitter and Instagram as well under at First Watch Show. Uh, you can also find us on podcast channels, and I will also plug our spinoff podcast, which is its own separate channel, uh, so it's not in the line with everything else, but it's called The In at the Edge of Greenwood. It is 30 to 50 minute episodes, and they are pure role play. There's no dice involved. Uh, but the concept is that a character from another show or another world or another game visits our inn. They interact with the innkeeper, me, and tell a story of their adventures. So it's a really kind of calm, cozy type podcast where it's, it's like interview style, but in character all the way through. I will. I will throw my hat. If you need a person to come do that, you just I would word. love to have you on. Yes. All right. We'll, we will figure that out. See, and this is the kind of thing that in a shorter game, we're going to figure this out exactly. offline. Exactly. <laughs> we're, look at us. We're just giving you examples left and right. But with that, like, as with everything else, that'll all be in the show notes. But Andrew, thank you for coming on and telling us all of the information you have. Well, thanks for having me, Neil. This was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, everybody go run yourself a short game. Just want to thank Andrew again for coming on, spending some time with us, talking about shorter sessions and some of the tips, tricks, pros, cons, and anything else that we could come up with. If you enjoyed this, you too can leave a short review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Any rating and review is always a helpful thing. And of course, if you want to follow us on Twitter or Facebook, you can look up Dungeon Masters Block or at DMS underscore block. And of course, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows, Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. As always, thank you for listening to the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of everyone else at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night, good luck, and keep on Dungeon Mastering.
Goodbye.